As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey folks, Dr. Tim Jordan here with another episode of Raising Daughters. I am so happy that you come by here every week or so to hear these podcasts. I appreciate your feedback. I always appreciate you passing them on. And if you're the kind of parent who wants to be and remain an influence in your daughter's life throughout childhood, her teen years and beyond, then you've come to the right place. Today's topic is homework. Whose job is it anyway? School year is upon us, like it or not, and I think this is a really good time to step back and assess, am I doing too much as far as my kids' schoolwork? I heard a story one time about uh, this little boy named Johnny, who used to hang out at the local corner market, and the owner didn't know what Johnny's issue was, but the boy was... Constant, all the, the other kids, his friends, were always teasing him. They always make comments he was too brick shy of a full load or too pickles too pickle short of a barrel. And to prove it, sometimes they would offer this little boy, Johnny, his choice between a nickel and a dime. And Johnny always took the nickel. They, and the kids said it's because it's bigger. One day after this little boy, Johnny, grabbed the nickel, the store owner took him aside and said, Johnny, those boys are making fun of you. I'm not sure if you know that. They think you don't know that the dime is worth more than the nickel. Are you grabbing that nickel every time because it's bigger or what? Slowly, Johnny turned towards the store owner with a huge grin on his face. And he said, well, I figured if I took the dime, they'd stop doing it. And so far, I've saved $20. That's the result that you want by turning over your children's schoolwork. You want them to become more self-responsible and to be more creative and to do their own problem solving. As opposed to this other kid, a man was pleading one day with his psychiatrist. He said, you know, you got to help me, but it's not about me. It's about my son. And the psychiatrist said, well, what's wrong with him? And, the, and this man said, he's always eating mud pies. I get up in the morning. He's out there in the backyard eating mud pies. Sometimes I come home at lunch. He's still eating mud pies. I come home at dinner after work. He's in the backyard eating mud pies. And the psychiatrist tried to reassure the man. He said, you know, just give him some time. It's just all part of his growing up. And the dad said, well, I don't like it, and neither does his wife. That, my friends, is the result you do not want. You don't want to micromanage and overdo and overindulge and, and rescue kids to the point where they don't know how to take care of themselves and they don't grow up. And I do believe that too many parents are too involved in their kids' schoolwork. 
I don't want to talk about all the overindulging and stuff. I'm sure you've been beaten over the head with that um, for the last 10 years. But I do think there's some truth to the fact that it's hard to stay out of your kid's schoolwork. The pressure for your kids to get good grades, to get into the right high school, and especially to get into a top college is huge. And I think part of that then trickles down to doing too much as far as their schoolwork because you don't want your kids to get behind. You want your kids to measure up and to be better than the other kids. You may not be thinking that in your mind consciously, but I guarantee you that's driving a lot of you who are listening to this. So the start of the school year is the perfect time to start establishing agreements about schoolwork, homework, and whose job is it anyway. So one of the things I would encourage you to do is to have a conversation with your son or daughter about their intentions for the school year. I would ask the questions like, what are you looking forward to this year? What do you want? What what are your intentions? And then I'd sit back and I would mostly listen. I'd ask them, what are your intentions for your learning? And by the way, notice I didn't say, what are your intentions for your grades? And the reason I said learning instead of grades is because there's so much emphasis on grades. So much emphasis on grades. And I think what happens for a lot of kids is they've lost their intrinsic love of learning. Every little kid who starts school in kindergarten is by nature curious. They love to learn. Their brains are wired to learn, which is why they learn so much so quickly when they're little kids. But this, with this whole uh, school kind of this whole school process where we we've taught them to just sit back and just uh, have the teachers tell them what to listen to. Well, let me give you an example. I used to uh, teach a class at a, a local university. And it was a master's level class for teachers. And so on one of the classes, I would bring in uh, three or four of my campers to talk to the, to the teachers about what it was like for them, what was their experience. And I would usually bring in high school kids. And I would bring in the ones who were not necessarily good students, but the ones who were uh, outgoing and who were would be open and they would say anything. And I remember a lot, a lot of the times the teachers would get really discouraged because they would ask the kids what they liked about school, and many of the kids said they hated school. And the ones oftentimes who hated it the most were the really good students. And the teachers were like, you've got straight A's, you're a great student, why do you hate school so much? And what they would say is, is that school is a game. What I've learned is I had to sit there and try and figure out what's going to be on the test. And that's all I listen for. That's all I study. That's all I do. And it's, I get so burned out by that, and I've lost my zip. I've lost my motivation to learn. I'm just doing it to get the grade to look good in my transcript. I've heard that so many times from girls in my counseling practice. They've lost their love of learning. So don't hyper-focus on grades. Talk a lot about their learning. Ask them what classes they might be interested in this school year and why. Not just which ones, but why. Ask them if they know any of the teachers that they're going to have this year, whether they heard about them. Ask them if they have any other any other kind of new things they want to do with their learning this year. Uh, any other things they might want to do different to improve their, their standing or to learn better. It's okay to ask them about their grades. When I see girls in my counseling practice, I ask them oftentimes, you know, what kind of grades do you want this semester? And I've said this before in these podcasts, but the typical answer is, first of all, a, a blank look on their face because they've never been asked that question. And the ones who answer oftentimes say, well, I want A's. You idiot. I, of course, I want A's. And then the second question I ask is, why? Why do you want A's? 
And then I get that blank stare again because they haven't thought about that either. Nobody's asked them why they want what they want. And the reason they tend to say they want A's is because their parents want them to have A's because their parents would be mad at them. They get grounded. They get their phone taken away. They don't want to disappoint their parents. Or they talk about, you know, I want to get into an elite college so I can get a good job and make a lot of money. It's all these external things. They've not sat down and reflected on what do I want and why might I want that? Anytime your kids are doing anything to avoid punishment or to get a reward, that's a low level of motivation. The same kind of thing goes for doing things to please you, please their parents, not wanting to disappoint their parents. That's a low level of motivation. So I would ask them what they want about their learning, what they want as far as their grades and why. And then I'd ask them, what's your plan? If that's what you want, what's your plan to achieve that? We've had a really rough last year and a half with schooling, with, with COVID and all that. And so a lot of kids faltered because they had a hard time with virtual learning and they felt disconnected because of being at home a lot or not being able to uh, socialize with their friends because of wearing masks at school, all those things that we've been talking about. So I'd ask them, what'd you learn about yourself last year in your learning? And therefore, what can you do different this year? Have them think that through. Also, I would, I would encourage you, I'm strongly encouraging you to avoid looking at those homework hotline kinds of things, the infinite campus things, where you can go online and you can monitor your kids' progress moment by moment, hour by hour, test by test, quiz by quiz, homework assignment by homework assignment every day. It's so hard, I think, when you see that your, your kid's missing an assignment or they got a, a low grade on a quiz. It's so hard not to jump in and crab and, and whine and, and try and motivate them to do better. And it's so hard not to get too involved. So I think I, I tell parents, don't even look at it. And if a teacher sends you an email saying your daughter's missing two assignments, I would do two things. Number one is I'd send an email back to the teacher saying, uh, thank you for letting me know, but I'd appreciate it if you would tell my daughter that. I'm really trying to turn things over to her this year. And I want you to communicate with her more than me. The second thing I would do is I would make an agreement with your daughter that you can sit down with them every so often and review their progress. Like a parent-kid conference as opposed to a parent-teacher conference. You might decide every week or every two weeks uh, you can sit down and your daughter can show you what they've done what was interesting, if they did a paper that they, that they thought was a good paper, you know, they can show you their papers. If they're uh, doing well, they can, they can show you why, what their plan has been. If, they, if they're falling a little short in a couple of classes, they can tell you why and what their plan is. So what you're doing is you're allowing them to take charge. You're not like, you know, a thousand miles away and, and don't care. You care, but you're going to care in a different way. So if you, if you check in every, every couple weeks, let's just say every week or two, then you know, a month or so into the school year, a progress report comes. And then at another point, then their first quarter grades come. Those are all opportunities to sit down and say, how'd you do? Tell me about your report card. What do you like? What do you, do, what do you not like? And again, what are you going to do if you don't like certain parts of it? That to me is a much healthier way to stay on track with your kids' education than this everyday nagging and checking the infinite campus things 
and reminding and thus doing more for them than they are doing for themselves. I remember one time I, uh, I read about or heard Stephen Covey talk about how he would uh, work with his kids in their homework. And Stephen Covey, the author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, amongst other books, I remember he, he had like 10 or 12 kids. And he would sit down with them every Friday after school, and they would teach him what they learned that week. Because he believed, and I agree with this, that oftentimes you learn the best by teaching other people. So that's another idea you might want to do with your kids. They can teach you some of the things that they're learning. So the learning part is one intention I want them to think about before school starts. Or if they've already started school, that they can step back and, you know, before they get too far into the semester, they can set agreement, uh, or excuse me, intentions for themselves. You can also ask them about their friends. Ask them about their social life. Is there anything they want different with their social life? Um, they might want to deepen some of their current friendships. They may want to attract some better ones. They may want to let go of some toxic ones. They may want to have uh, friends in different groups this year. I've had lots of girls share with me in my retreats and camps and my counseling practice about having a hard time walking away from toxic friends because they're so afraid of being alone. And if you leave this group and you don't have another group in place, then you are alone for a while. And that's like a death for a, a girl in grade school, middle school, high school. So I would ask them, what's your plan? The girls who come to my weekend retreats and summer camps always fill out a little questionnaire. It's like four questions. It's short and sweet. But one of the questions is, is there anything you want different in your friendships? And I would say when it comes to middle school and high school girls, I would say that 90% of them at least write that they want better, deeper, more trustworthy friends. Even the girls who have lots of friends, even the girls who might be in the quote-unquote popular group, they still want friends they can really count on because a lot of them don't. There's lots of mischief and drama and gossiping and rumors and things that go through school. So a lot of times they don't feel safe and comfortable with, with lots, of, even, even with lots of their friends. So if they want that different, I would ask them again, what's your plan? I oftentimes have girls do a little exercise. I do this at my retreats, I do it at my camps, and I do it with girls in my counseling practice. I have them make a list of the qualities of a BFF, the qualities of a really good friend. And these would be, what, what kind of person is it? would they be? How would they treat you? How would they treat other people? I'd have them make a list um, and you know, keep adding to it if they want. And then they, I have them take the list and do a couple things with it. Number one is, I have them look at themselves and look at the list and say, do I live out this list? Because if I want a friend who doesn't gossip a lot, and I do gossip a lot, then you're probably going to attract gossipers. So you might need to clean up a few things within yourself, grow a little bit, if you want to attract that kind of person. I also have them take that list and have them compare it to the friends they hang out with the most and see, do they measure up? Do they live out the qualities that I think are important in a friend? And sometimes it's a rude awakening for girls. And that's much more valuable for them to come to that conclusion than it is for us to say that you don't like their friends. Because if they can come to that conclusion, it's, it makes it more empowering for them to, to move on. The third thing I have them do with that BFF qualities list is, I tell them when you go to school, look around, be observant. 
Notice how people act. So when you're walking through the hallways, when you're sitting in your class uh, before and after class, when you are at lunch, when you're in after school activities, notice how people act and, and notice if anybody seems to match your list. And I tell them, drop all your prejudgments about people. You may have heard something about these people through rumors and stuff. You may have a judgment about them because in third grade they pick their nose every day. Drop all of that and only base your, your opinion on, your observation on, what am I seeing right now? And if they observe people like that, they will probably find people who match their list pretty well. And I tell them, that's a person you may want to try and sit by a class or walk in between classes with in the hallways or sit with at lunch. I tell them it's okay to be picky about who you hold close. So that, that's, that's an example of, of, of a plan they might have if they want more slash better friends. Girls tell me uh, in my office, I've, I've seen a bunch of them in the last few weeks we've been talking about this, and they tell me they're going to join some new clubs. They're going to have the guts to sit at different tables at lunch. It's, all, it's always that strange thing about moving in between tables. I, one of my favorite movies is a movie called October Sky. It's about these boys in a coal mining town. It's a true story. And there's a scene in there where uh, Homer, who's the, who's the lead guy, it's uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, he decides he wants to build rockets. He thinks that might be his ticket out of Coalwood, which is this coal mining town. And so he tries to do some stuff on his own. And he's trying to read books, but the math is way ahead of him. So he realizes, I need some help. And then he decides, I need to ask help of the biggest nerd in school. That kid's always sitting by himself at lunch. So one day, Jake is sitting with his normal table, all his buddies. He sees that, that brainiac sitting by himself. And he decides, you know what, I'm going to go talk to him and ask him some questions. And the guys at this table are like, are you nuts? That's like, that's like, you know, what are you doing? You're going to kill your whole social life. And he's like, I don't care. He gets up, he slowly walks towards that table, and there's a hush in the cafeteria. Everybody's watching him walk to that table. He looks around. It's totally quiet. You can hear a pin drop. He puts his tray down. He sits down. He starts talking to the kid, and then the cafeteria bursts back into all its normal activity. I think that's the fear of girls, is that it's going to be so awkward. I may be judged by it, but I tell them, if, if you are looking for good friends, make your list and pick them out. And that may involve sitting at new tables. I also encourage girls to make some intentions about activities. What do they want to do outside of school? after school, before school. And if they tell you some activities that they're interested in, I would ask them why. Why'd you pick that? What's your interest in that? I'd encourage them to try some new things, to stretch this year um, and try some new things. I, I saw a girl in my counseling practice recently and she wants to make better friends. She came to our camp this summer. She's an awesome girl. She got uh, dumped by her friend group at the end of uh, her freshman year in high school. So she's kind of in between groups right now. So we were talking about all of this. And so she was trying to figure out, you know, what could she do to try and find some new people? And I, I asked her about sports. No, she hates sports. I said, what, what about theater? And she said, oh, I would never want to be an actress or I wouldn't want to act. I said, yeah, but you told me before you like arts and crafts. You like working with your hands. And she said, yeah. I said, maybe you can join the play and, and just work on the sets. That's another group. That's like a team of people. So she, her face kind of brightened. And then... Her mom called me uh, several days later and she said that uh, she had 
she had signed up for the fall play. So she's, she's doing that because of some interests of hers and because she wants to make new friends. And that also leads then into having kids make intentions for how they might want to grow this year. What kind, of, what kind of growth pieces might they want to work on? Do they want to get out of their comfort zone and do some new things? I already mentioned sitting at new tables at lunch or maybe uh, branching out to some new activities um, with different kinds of kids. Some girls have told me they want to grow this year by raising their hand more in class and not being so afraid of being judged. Some girls will talk about advocating for themselves more often or, or uh, yeah, more often with their teachers. So if they get behind, some of them are so embarrassed or the teacher's kind of sharp with kids and so they get afraid so they don't ask. And then they get behind and then, you know, and then they get overwhelmed. So I've had a lot of girls tell me that they want to work on not comparing themselves so much to other people. I've challenged a bunch of girls in the last two weeks to show up this school year as their real self instead of as their avatar self or their the facade self or their partial self. Because I tell them, if you really want some true friends, you can't make true friends if you're not being true to yourself, if you're not showing up as who you really are. They're becoming friends with this version of you. So if you really want people to like you for who you are and to not judge you and all that, you got to show up first. And then the people you attract will be those people. Because if they want to hang out with you when you're acting like you are, the, the goofy, silly, whatever part, or the other, the other yeah, that kind of person who you are, if, they, if they're attracted to that, that's a true friend. They're saying, I'm accepting you. I'm not judging you. I like you for who you are. That's the only way you're going to get a real good, true friend. And that's obviously a stretch. It takes a lot of guts to do that. And that could be their growth piece. Whatever they want to do, ask them why. I want your kids to develop more autonomy and to make more choices about what they want instead of us always making them do things. If they can choose things for their reasons, they become more motivated. They become more engaged in what they're doing. They're much more likely to persevere when things get tough. And because of all of that, there's a greater sense of fulfillment at the end. They own the results and it's their touchdown dance because they chose it and it was, it's for, they chose it for their reasons. I heard about a teacher one time who asked her class to write an essay on what they would do if they were given a million dollars. Well, little Susie handed in a blank piece of paper, and the teacher said, Susie, you haven't done anything. How come? And Susie looked at the teacher and said, because that's exactly what I would do if I had a million dollars. So we, we want our kids to be self-motivated, or at least I think you do. So the more you do, the less self-motivated they become. When you can start backing out and letting them make choices and set their own intentions and have to sort of do things on their own and take responsibility, that's how they become more self-motivated. Now, as you start turning things over, sometimes they don't you know, jump in and just pick up the ball and run with it. Sometimes they falter at first because they're so used to you coming and picking up the pieces and rescuing them. So you may notice the first few weeks that they're not turning things in. There's there's 15 notes from teachers or whatever, but I would keep handing the notes to your kids and saying, looks like you got some, some work to do, or you might need to talk to your teacher. Or when you sit down at the end of that week, just say, I've noticed I've gotten some reports. What's going on? What do you need? So you need to be patient. They may not be um, 
ready yet to take full responsibility because they're hoping you will jump in and do it for them. Now, they don't want you to micromanage. They don't want you nagging and complaining and doing for them. But on the other hand, they also don't necessarily want to grow up and take responsibility. That's part of the push-pull of being in, say, middle school and high school. But I would start this when they're in grade school. If you start this the first day they walk into kindergarten, then you're setting the stage for this is how we're going to do business when it comes to school. And no matter what grade your, your daughter is in today, it doesn't matter. Start today. Um, I heard a story once about a girl, and she said, uh, she was in college. She said, I got my first full-time job, but I could have sworn I was making more money in college, working for my parents as their daughter. <laughs> a lot of parents pay their kids for grades. Uh, they use uh, bribes and rewards to try and motivate their kids to do things. And you might get some effort for a little while because they want a phone or they want some money or whatever. But that's not intrinsic motivation. And it's not going to last. Don't be like the parent who uh, has a kid who said to me one time, my allowance is tied to my report card. I now pay my parents a dollar for every A. Don't do it that way. Let me finish up here with a little story, and this is a true story. When my wife and I took our daughter to college, um, actually it was, it was to uh, one of those orientation things right before college started. We were in this big auditorium with all the parents of, of the new, uh, new freshmen, and the dean of students was giving a talk about, I don't even remember what, he kind of blathered on and on. But I remember at one point, he said something that, that uh, caught my ear. He said, parents... It's time to let go. We're going to have your sons and daughters right now go and leave you. You guys stay here. Parents stay here. Your sons and daughters are going to go down the hallway to, to these rooms where they're going to, going to sit down with um, one of our counselors, and they're going to set their schedule for the first semester, what classes they're going to take. So this is the time to let go. They're starting college. It's time to let go. And my first thought was, if this is the first time you're starting to let go, your college freshman is in big trouble <laughs> because that process should have started when they were in grade school when it comes to schoolwork. And if not grade school, then middle school. If, you're, if your daughter's a freshman in high school, then start then. If you wait until you're dumping them off at college, you're, you're putting them at a disadvantage. You're making it harder for them to be successful. I remember also... After the, the dean of students, another half hour rambled on about whatever. He said, okay, now it's time for you guys. You can go down the hallway. Your sons and daughters are down there. You can pick them up, and we'll see them back here you know, in a week. And I remember walking down the hallway with all the other parents, and there was about, about six rooms where all the, these freshmen were, you know, college freshmen were in there with uh, these counselors. And they actually had people at the doors to keep the parents out, like guards kind of, sort of, sort of. And what was interesting was some of the parents were yelling at these guards, demanding to go in there and, and help their kids set up their schedules. I remember some, some girls uh, and guys walking out like teary-eyed because they didn't know what to do. I, it was a mess because those are the kids whose parents did too much. So it's time to start now, today, to start turning things over. I asked the question at the very beginning, when you're thinking about schoolwork and homework, whose job is it anyway? Well, the answer to that question is, it's your kid's job. 
I'm guessing most of you have been through grade school and middle school and high school. It's their job. It's their schoolwork. It's their homework. It's their grades. You're there to be a confidant. You're there to be a guide. You're there to bounce things off of. But you're not there to take responsibility. And you're especially not there in my world to take more responsibility for it, the schoolwork than they are. To be more motivated for the schoolwork than they are. That's a process of letting go. But I would start today. Start as the school year is beginning. Ask them about their intentions for their learning and, and for their social life and for their activities and how they might want to grow this semester. I'd help them to do some problem solving about making a plan for how they're going to achieve what they want. I'd always ask them that question, you know, why do you want that? Why do you want those grades? Why do you want to do that activity? Let them start to touch inside themselves to know this is what this is about for me. This is my intrinsic motivation. This is touching on also my love of learning. So important that you do that for your children. The end result I think that you all want is you want a a daughter who goes off into the world who is ready for it, who is self-motivated and self-responsible and knows how to problem solve. Because if you've, if you've done that by allowing them to do those things and make some mistakes, it's much better for them to make the mistakes with their homework and their schoolwork when they're in fourth grade than, than to wait till they're a senior in high school or till they're in college. The stakes are much lower. I'd much rather they have that learning curve when they're younger. So that when they go off into the world, they have that ability to take care of themselves. Let me leave you with a quick story as an example of a kid who probably grew up with parents who did let go and did turn things over. Uh, this little girl was sitting by the side of the road one day with her fishing rod. Uh, the line was going down into a drain. And an old woman was walking down the street and she saw that and she felt kind of sorry for her. So she walked over and she, and she gave, him a gave her a $5 bill and she said, How many have you caught today? And the little girl looked up and she said, you're the 10th one so far this morning. That's a smart kid who knows how to take care of herself. Have a great start to your school year. Begin this process of letting go. And, uh, and you'll see the results. If you don't see them immediately, stay patient because it will happen. If you have any, any questions about things, you can always check Check me out on my website at drtimjordan.com. There's information there about our weekend retreats that are coming up uh, this fall for girls in grade school, middle school, and high school. Uh, all my books and um, all my past blogs and my past podcasts, all that stuff is on the website at www.drtimjordan.com. Uh, I hope you have a good start to your school year, and I will see you back here uh, next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.